Um, so grateful to welcome all of you here as well. My name is Russ Siders, and it is really a great honor and privilege for me to serve in this community, uh, Sunrise Community, and in Tulare for now going on 25 years, and it is just a, a blessing. Uh, we are changing things, and things are changing around us. Las cosas cambian a nuestro alrededor. The physical site where we meet has changed a lot in the last couple weeks. I came back from a trip. It's like, whoa, it's beautiful. Uh, but um, we are changing, too, in terms of our mission. And next Sunday, we have a very important decision to make as a congregation. El próximo domingo tenemos una decisión muy importante. Our servant team leaders, our elders and deacons, are recommending to the mission partners of Sunrise that we affiliate with a a group of churches known as the Alliance of Reformed Churches. And we've been attempting to give you information about that decision over the last few weeks. Estamos por votar en la decisión de si vamos a afiliarnos con la Alianza de Iglesias Reformadas. So next week after worship, that vote will take place. You will need to be an official mission partner of Sunrise in order to vote. You will need to be physically present. Uh, and so we urge you to take seriously that responsibility and, and privilege as a mission partner to, to be a part of the discernment of the future of Sunrise in years to come. Uh, si eres un, un compañero de misión, uh, tendrás el derecho de votar, así que uh, espero que estén aquí para votar. To get us ready, I really think it's important, it's incumbent, it, it, it is upon you as a congregation to learn as much as you can about this group of people. We're doing our best to get that information to you, and we need you to engage that. There's a website you can go on to, but also, after worship today, we're gonna have another question and answer forum. Anyone is welcome to stay, and we want you to have your questions answered before you make that vote. Uh, don't want it to be said, we hid something from you, we kept information from you. We have information to share, and if you have questions, we want you to, to ask those questions. So after worship, it'll be brief, 15, 20 minutes, and we also have a sheet of questions and answers uh, that will maybe cover some of the basics for you. We invite you to pick up one of those in the back of our worship center. Tenemos un foro para hacer preguntas acerca de la alianza después del servicio, unos 15 minutos nomás, pero espero que puedan estar con nosotros. Es la responsabilidad, la responsabilidad de ustedes, los, los compañeros de misión, de informarse sobre esta decisión importante. So I want to, at this point, recognize and send out our boys and girls for children in worship time. We're so grateful for that ministry, for those who help and those who teach. We're grateful for our, our nursery ministry for children uh, under two years of age. That is also available for, uh, for parents of young children, of young infants and toddlers. And so, kids, I hope you have a great time in God's word as we will be doing right now. Vamos a tener un tiempo en la palabra de Dios, despidiendo a los niños para el tiempo de niños en adoración. I want to invite you to get your Bibles ready. There are Bibles in the back. Hay Biblias detrás. So, as Jonathan noted, we have been in a series of messages now for three weeks called Your Kingdom Come. Estamos en una serie de mensajes que venga tu reino. And that's really our prayer. We want to see God's kingdom come. But what is that? Well, we are tracing uh, along the, the scriptures, the whole path of the Bible. We're looking at this theme of the kingdom of God. 
to learn as much as we can about it. Estamos trazando el tema del reino de Dios a lo largo de las escrituras. And so today we're going to begin with a scripture from the Old Testament book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Joshua is actually the sixth book in the Bible. If you go in past Deuteronomy, vamos a mirar Josué capítulo 1, versículos 7 y 8. So God here is speaking to the leader of the people of Israel. His name is Joshua. And so this is what God says to him. Dios se dirige a Josué, líder de Israel. Verse 7 says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Solo te pido que tengas mucho valor y firmeza para obedecer toda la ley que mi siervo Moisés te mandó. No te apartes de ella ni para nada. Uh, solo así tendrán éxito donde quiera que vayas. Recita siempre el libro de la ley y medita en él de día y de noche. Cumple con cuidado todo lo que en él está escrito. Así prosperarás y tendrás éxito. So as we, we begin here today, I, I want to kind of review where we've been over the last couple of weeks. I think it's going to help us to, to have in mind where we're going. Quiero repasar un poco de donde venimos para ver hacia donde nos dirigimos. So we've been talking, as I said, about the kingdom of God. And we've said that the kingdom of God has to do with God's power over God's people displayed in God's place. Okay? El reino de Dios tiene que ver con el poder de Dios sobre el pueblo de Dios en el lugar de Dios. It's God's power, God's people, God's place coming together. And where you have that, you're going to see the kingdom of God. Ahí está el reino de Dios. That's based on what we see in the, in the opening chapters of the Bible, in the book of Genesis. Vemos esto en Genesis. Adam and Eve, the first human beings, sin against God. How do they sin against God? Adán y Eva pecan contra Dios. They reject God's power. They reject his way. Rechazan el poder de Dios. And so what happens is they are kicked out of God's place, the Garden of Eden. So en echados el huerto de Eden. And really from that point on, the Bible tells us the human race is no longer God's people. Because we're in rebellion against God. La raza humana ya no es el pueblo de Dios. But then in the first five books of the Bible, also known as the Torah or the law, we see God setting about on a plan to fix that. He sets out on a plan to gather a new people for himself. Dios en, en los primeros cinco libros empieza a congregar así un pueblo. And he starts working with a man named Abraham. And he calls Abraham out of his homeland, his people who are a people that don't know God, a pagan people, and he calls him to go to a new land. See that? It's a new guy in a new place. He calls him to go to Canaan. Dios llama a Abraham de dejar su pueblo pagano para ir a un nuevo lugar, la tierra de Canaan. And so he's going to start to build this new people in this place. But then it all kind of gets derailed. When the descendants of Abraham, the people of Israel, find themselves 
in a different place. They find themselves in the land of Egypt where they are slaves for 400 years under a different power. They're under the power of Pharaoh. Again, note, they're in the wrong land under the wrong power and they're slaves. Israel está en, el, en la tierra de Egipto, otro lugar bajo el poder del faraón. But again, God doesn't give up. God acts in a strong way to deliver the people out. And then he takes them to this place called Sinai, Mount Sinai. Dios libra su pueblo, los lleva al monte Sinai, and he makes a covenant. He makes an agreement with Israel to be their God and for them to be his people. Les hace un pacto para ser su Dios y ellos su pueblo. And that covenant is, is all about this thing called the law. God's instructions, God's commandments for how to live and how to be his people. That's God's power displayed in the law. La ley son las instrucciones de Dios de cómo vivir y cómo ser el pueblo de Dios. So think about it. You've got now God's power in the law and in his deliverance, his salvation. And you've got God's people, Israel. They're now his. Hay el pueblo de Dios y el poder de Dios. All you need is a place. And that place is going to be, again, the land of Canaan where God promised Abraham that he would do this work. So through a period of 40 years, God takes the people through the desert and brings them into Canaan, the promised land, to establish his kingdom. And so that's where we find ourselves as we go from the first five books of the law. The first five books of the Bible are called the law, we go into now a second section of the Bible. This section of the Bible that we're going to be in today is traditionally called the prophets. Hoy vamos a estar en una parte de la Biblia que se llama los profetas. Now, the prophets covered two major sections or parts of books. Hay dos partes. First of all, there is a part of the prophets that includes books which tell the story of Israel in the promised land, from the time they enter. Hay libros históricos sobre la historia de Israel en la tierra prometida. Those books would cover the book of Joshua, which we've just read from, through Judges, and all the way through the book of Second Kings. Those are the, like the first part of the prophets. Those are historical books. Es de Josué hasta Segundo de Reyes. Now there's a second part to the prophets. The second part contains books that have divine messages from God through divine messengers known as prophets. La segunda parte tiene mensajes de Dios por medio de los profetas and that includes three of the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaías, Jeremías, Ezequiel, and then the 12 minor prophets that we talked about a little bit this summer. We studied one of the minor prophets. We studied the book of Joel. Hay los doce profetas menores, incluyendo a Joel, que estudiamos el verano pasado. Now, we're not going to get there this week. We'll be in that section next week, okay? So today, we're looking at those historical books that tell the story of Israel. This is often flyover country for people, okay? So we're going to stop, and I want to invite you to really get into this as I tell you the story, okay? Espero que se metan en la historia. So as Joshua leads the people of Israel to the Jordan River, and they're ready to cross over into the promised land, into Canaan. They have a big job to do. Al entrar en Canaan, Israel tiene un gran trabajo, una gran misión. 
And that mission, that great job, is that they are to go in and they're basically to drive out, to kick out the peoples in that land who do not follow God's power, who practice all kinds of violence and all kinds of evil. Deben expulsar a los pueblos de esa tierra que no practican uh, los caminos de Dios. And they should also kick out not only those people, they are to drive out their gods and their goddesses so that God is the only God. Deben expulsar a sus dioses y diosas también. It's a big job. Es una gran misión. And to do that job, they're going to need God's power. Necesitan el poder de Dios. And so in the reading we had just now, God comes to Joshua and he says, here's what you need to do, Joshua. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong in my power. Te pido que tengas mucho fuerza, mucho valor. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may be successful wherever you go in this land. Hay que obedecer toda la ley que mi siervo Moisés te mandó. No te apartes de ella. Así tendrás éxito donde quiera que vayas. Do not let this book of the law, that's all those instructions we just talked about, do not let it depart from your mouth. Meditate on it. Day and night, think about it, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, and then you will be prosperous and successful. Dice, recita siempre el libro de la ley, medita de él de día y noche, cumple con cuidado todo lo que en él está escrito, y así prosperarás y tendrás éxito. So the instructions are very clear. Stay true to God. Stay true to God's power, stay true to God's ways. Focus on God's instructions and do them and you'll be successful. You're going to prosper. You're going to thrive. You're going to live. It's going to be great. Enfóquense en Dios y van a prosperar y tener éxito. We can say that for a while that actually works. Eso funciona un rato. Joshua and the people come in, they're strong and courageous, and they drive out a lot of people. They take over a lot of territory. Josué Israel expulsa a muchos pueblos y recobra mucho territorio, but there comes a point of challenge. And it's when the next generation is called to take up the cause. Es cuando la segunda generación viene. This is the challenge. And the question is, will the next generation do the same thing. In fact, before they went into the promised land, Moses said to them in Deuteronomy, I'm putting before you a choice. You have before you life or death, following my commands under my power and living, or going away from my power and dying. Take your pick. Moisés les dijo, pongo delante de ustedes vida o muerte. Elija. And then in Joshua 24, as Joshua and that first generation is dying out, he basically says something similar. Joshua 24, 15, Josué 24, 15, he says this. He says in verse 14, fear the Lord, serve him. Entreguense al Señor y sirvanle. But he says, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river, that's the Euphrates River. He's talking about the, 
gods of Abraham's family. You can choose to serve them if you want, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. Those are all options. You need to decide, do you want life in God or death in these gods? Elijan ustedes, uh, 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 si les parece mal servir a usted, uh, Señor, elijan ustedes mismos a quienes uh, van a servir. Los dioses de la familia de Abraham al otro lado del río Éufrates o los dioses de los amorreos. So they've got to, to make a, a, a choice. Will they stay focused on God's power? Will they allow God to be king and in that way be prosperous? Or will they choose another way? ¿Van a prosperar con Dios como rey o no? Well, as we turn the page into the book of Judges, the next book, we find that very quickly this whole thing uh, begins to unravel. El libro de jueces todo empieza a desvanecerse. Uh, we're told this in chapter 1, verse 19. We, we read that after some initial success with this second generation, they begin to hit a roadblock. Empieza a encontrar obstáculos. Listen to what it says. It says, The Lord was with the men of Judah. That's one of the tribes. They took possession of the hill country, but were unable to drive the people out of the plains. Señor estaba con los hombres de Judá. Estos tomaron posesión la región montañosa, pero no pudieron expulsar a los que vivían en las llanuras. Verse 21. The Benjamites, those from the tribe of Benjamin, failed to dislodge the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem. Los de la tribu de Benjamín no lograron expulsar a los que vivían en Jerusalén. So you got a couple tribes here. They're trying to push forward, but they meet resistance. Aquí encuentran resistencia. It, it doesn't seem to be working. Judah can't drive people out of the plains. Benjamin, the Benjamin uh, tribe can't drive people out of Jerusalem. Los de Judá o Benjamín no pueden expulsar a los pueblos. If you go down to chapter 127, you find a list of all the tribes who are trying to, to move forward. Manasseh did not drive out the people that they were supposed to drive out. Verse 27, Manasseh no pudo excusar a los otros pueblos. Verse 29, Ephraim, another tribe, they didn't drive out the Canaanites. Los Ephraim tampoco. Verse 30, Zebulun did not drive out the Canaanites. Sabulon uh, no pudo hacerlo. Verse 31, Asher, another tribe, they're not successful. Hacer no tiene éxito. Verse 33, uh, Naphtali, they have problems. Naphtali también tiene problemas. Verse 34, the tribe of Dan, they're being pushed back by the Amorites, the people that were there before them. Los de Dan tampoco tienen éxito. What's going on? God said they would be successful. God said that they would be able to do this. Why aren't they moving forward? ¿Por qué no avanza? If we turn the page to Judges 3, verse 1, we get an explanation. Una explicación en Jueces 3.1. These are the nations the Lord left to test all those Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. Las siguientes naciones son las que el Señor dejó a salvo para poner a prueba a todos los israelitas que no habían participado en ninguna de las guerras de Canaan. Verse 4. They were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the Lord's commands. Los dejó el Señor para poner a prueba a los israelitas a ver si obedecían sus mandamientos. 
In other words, God wanted these people to succeed, but they needed to be tested. They needed to, to become strong in him. Ellos tenían que, que ponerse a prueba, and so God made it a little bit difficult for them. In a sense, he's, he put that choice before them. Are you going to trust me even when the success you're looking for isn't there at first? Will you look to me? Van a buscarme a mí? Or will you give up when the going gets tough? It's like what happened in the Garden of Eden. God puts them in this brand new, beautiful, perfect place, and he says, you got a choice. You can look to me, or you can look at that tree over there and let it distract you. What are you going to do? Es como la prueba que Dios dio a Adán y Eva en el huerto de Edén. Unfortunately, as we read forward, we find that this second generation loses their way. They get distracted. They lose focus. They do not let the book of the law stay in their minds and in their hearts. They don't follow what it says. Ellos se distraen. They begin to look away from God to human leaders to help them be successful because what they want is success. And here's something to point out. Who is God for us? Is God our goal or is God our means to another goal? Is God just a way for you to become successful in life? In a way that is very temporary or flippant? Is God your success? ¿Es Dios solo una manera para tener éxito en la vida o es el mismo tu éxito? Unfortunately, this this generation begins to look at, hey, we want, we want success. We want to win these battles. And so they start looking to human leaders, and these human leaders get distracted, and they start looking to other gods for power instead of to God. We have a classic example of that in the case of a man named Gideon. You may know a little bit about his story. You can read up on it later. We're going fast here through the Bible, but Gideon was a man that God used with just 300 soldiers to have a great military victory over thousands of Midianite raiders that were in the land. Dios usó a Gedeón para tener una victoria sobre 300, con 300 soldados sobre los Madianitas. It's a big victory. And after that victory, in Judges 8, verse 22, we find this. Jueces 8, 22. The Israelites said to Gideon, rule over us, you, your son, and your grandson, because you have saved us out of the hand of Midian. Los israelitas le dijeron a Gedeón, gobierna sobre nosotros. Después de ti, tu hijo, tu nieto, porque nos has librado del poder de los madianitas. The people come to Gideon and they say, hey Gideon, good job man. Be our king. Que seas nuestro rey. Wait a minute. They already have a king. God's the king. Ya tienen un rey. But what do the people say? They say, hey Gideon, you did pretty good. You saved us out of the hand of the Midianites. Tú nos libraste de los Madianitas. Really? If you go back and read the story, you find out that Gideon was scared spitless of the Midianites. He wet his pants before that battle. He didn't know what to do. Él estaba con mucho miedo, se mojó los pantalones. God saved them. And yet they say, hey, you be our king. Que tú seas nuestro rey. Now, to his credit, 
Gideon responds well. He says in verse 23, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. No los gobernaré, dice Gedeon, ni tampoco mi hijo. Solo el Señor los gobernará. I'm not going to be your king. Good answer, Gideon. But then after that, something happens. The people decide, hey, we love this guy. They get a big uh, offering of gold, and they give Gideon this mountain of gold. Le dan a Gedeon un montón de oro. They're not even wanting to pay taxes to set up a government. They're doing a government by free will offering. Okay, like, here you go, man. You be our king. And if we turn the page to Judges 9, 14, or rather, uh, verse 27, Judges 8, 27, we read what happened next. It says, Gideon made the gold into an ephod, which is a statue, which he placed in Ophrah, his town. And all Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and his family. Con el oro Gedeón hizo un efón, una estatua que puso en Ophrah, su ciudad, y todo Israel se prostituyó al adorar allí el efón, el cual se convirtió en una trampa para Gedeón y su familia takes the gold, he makes a statue, sets up a monument to his victory, pone un monumento a su victoria, and the people decide that that statue is associated with Gideon's power, and that's where the power came from. So they go to a place, and they worship a power that is not God. Van y adoran a un poder y a un lugar donde no está Dios. And it becomes a trap. And what we see here is something going on that I think we need to recognize, that, that there's something about us as human beings that wants to have a king, but a king that we can see, a king that we can touch, a king that we can talk to directly and relate to and admire. Queremos un rey que podemos tocar y ver, un rey palpable. Why do you think people got up at 3, 4 in the morning to watch Queen Elizabeth's funeral even in this country, right? We'd really like to have a, a queen like her, wouldn't we? That's what people were saying. Well, she's America's queen. Wait a minute. I thought we had a war to get rid of that. No, we want a king. There's something else that we, is going on, and, and that is that we want to be able to make our own way and have success and have power apart from God. Queremos éxito y poder fuera de Dios. It goes from bad to worse. If you go on and read the story, after Gideon dies, his son Abimelech becomes king or leader in Israel. Abimelech se hace rey de Israel después. And he does this by killing off the rest of his brothers except for one. El mata todos sus hermanos menos uno. The name Abimelech means literally my father is king. Abimelech quiere decir mi padre es rey. Now maybe Gideon gave him that name because he was saying, my father, God, is king. A lo mejor pensaba que Gedeón, mi padre, Dios es rey. But Abimelech takes that name, he says, my father, Gideon was king, so I'm going to be king. And I'll tell you what to do. And, and he begins to rule. Abimelech empieza a reinar. But one brother, Jotham, comes to to Abimelech and he challenges him by telling him a parable, by telling him a story. Jotam su hermano le reta con una parábola and it's found in Judges 9 verse 14. Basically he tells him a story where 
He says the trees were choosing a king. Los árboles querían elegir un rey. And the trees came to the olive tree. Be our king. Olive tree said no. They came to the uh, fig tree. Be our king. Fig tree said no. Came to the grapevine. Be our king. No. Fueron al olivo y a la higuera y, y pidiéndoles que fueran rey y dijeron que no. Judges 9, 14. Finally, the trees said to the thorn bush, come and be our king. Por último, los árboles le dijeron al espino reina sobre nosotros. And the thorn bush said to the trees, if you really want to anoint me king over you, come and take refuge in my shade. But if not, let fire come out of the thorn bush and consume the cedars of Lebanon. Si de veras quieren ungirme como rey, que vengan y refugiense bajo mi sombra, pero si no, que salga el fuego del espino y consuma los cedros del Líbano. What's the point of the story? The point of the story is that Gideon was like the olive tree and the fig tree. He was like the productive trees. When they asked him to be king, he said, nope. Hedeon era como el olivo la higuera. No quiso ser rey. But Abimelech is like the thorn bush. Abimelech es el espino. He is a fruitless tree. Un árbol sin fruto. And because of that, fire will come out of him and consume the people. And that's what happens. He is a bad, evil king. He kills off a lot of Israel. El mata muchos. Now, I want to pause here because there's an interesting uh, uh, connection to be made. And Patrick Schreiner, who I referenced a couple weeks ago, makes this connection. He says that when we look at the theme of the kingdom of God through Scripture, it seems that many times the symbol of a tree crops up. Cuando vemos lo del reino de Dios, el símbolo de un árbol se ve. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve reject the tree of life in order to eat from the fruitless tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what does it bring them? It brings them death. It doesn't bring them success. It doesn't bring them prosperity. Adán y Eva no comen del árbol de la vida, sino del conocimiento del bien y mal, y no les da fruto. There's another tree that this points to. It's the tree that Moses saw when God called him. A burning bush. Había un zarza ardiente. That bush burned, but it was not consumed. That bush did not consume the people either because that bush was a symbol, a sign of the power of the living God. Esa zarza no se consumía ni consumía al pueblo. Era poder de Dios. But this is a thorn bush. Abimelech is a thorn bush and fire will come out of him and consume the people. What are we seeing here? We're seeing here that there's something about wanting a king that is human, wanting a ruler that is human, where the law of diminishing returns is at work. You give a king gold, you give a king everything, and what does he give you? Thorn bushes, lack of fruit, you give more taxes and you give more time and you give more effort, what do you get? More regulation. And the book of Judges ends with an incredible statement about this. El libro de jueces termina con una declaración in Judges 21-25. It says, in those days Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. En aquella época no había rey en Israel, cada uno hacía lo que le parecía 
mejor. You see, when God is not recognized as king, pretty soon somebody else comes along and wants to be king. And when somebody else wants to be king, suddenly everybody wants to be king. And where you have a world where everyone wants to be king and rule over whatever they want to do, you have a world that is out of control. Si Dios no es rey, alguien más quiere ser rey, y así todos quieren ser rey, y así en ese mundo es un mundo fuera de control. And this is the world that we live in, people of God. We live in a world where people look to politicians and people look to celebrities and people look to athletes to tell them how to live, how to be prosperous and successful in the land. But those politicians and those athletes demand more and more and they give less and less. Miramos políticos, atletas, famosos para decirnos cómo vivir, pero nos dan cada vez menos. We live in a world where everyone wants to determine their own success, their own path. And so if I'm king, I'm going to worship the idols that are going to give me power. The idol of money, sex, power. Yo voy a adorar los ídolos del dinero y sexo poder. You see, where God is not king, everybody wants to be king. And when everybody wants to be king, you know what you have? You have a hot mess. And that is where we are today. Cuando Dios no rey, todos quieren ser rey y es un desastre. I just want to continue with one more example from this section of the Bible. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 4. Samuel 8, all the elders of Israel gathered and they came to Samuel, who is the last leader or judge of Israel. And they said to him, you are old, your sons don't walk in your ways, so appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. Los ancianos vienen a Samuel, el último juez, y dicen, tú has envejecido ya, mejor danos un rey que nos gobierne como, nos gobierne como tienen las otras naciones. And it says that Samuel was, was displeased. He was disgusted by this request. Se disgustó Samuel. And he prayed to God, what do I do? ¿Qué hago, Señor? Oro. And God says in 1 Samuel 8, 7, listen to all the people are saying to you, it is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. Considera seriamente todo lo que el pueblo te diga. En realidad no te han rechazado a ti, sino a mí. Pues no quieren que yo reine sobre ellos. So the pattern continues. And God gives them what they ask for. He gives them a king. Dios les da un rey. He's head and shoulders above the rest. He is handsome. He's tall. He's totally incompetent. His name is Saul. Dios les da un rey alto, guapo e incompetente. And it starts a line of kings in Israel and later in the, in the land of Judah where each king follows and tries to do what is right. But you know what? Most of those kings are bad. La mayoría de esa línea de reyes es mala. And the good ones, 
The good ones are only relatively good. I appreciated what Greg said last week. We think so much of David and Solomon, but frankly, I don't want to repeat the mistakes that David and Solomon made. They're not admirable in, in, in the respects of their failings. Aun David y Salomón fallaron en muchos aspectos. So, what are we to learn from all this? There's something to be learned here, I think. ¿Qué podemos aprender? As we look at this section of Scripture, here's what I think we see. Where God is not recognized and followed as the king, the people and the places and the things of this world are going to step in and they're going to enslave us. We're going to become slaves of our own success and our own desire for success. Donde Dios, el poder de Dios no reina, vamos a buscar en el pueblo y en los lugares del mundo nuestro éxito y nos va a esclavizar. Remember what it said about Gideon? The people came to, to worship Gideon and the idol and it was a snare. It's a trap. So the cry of our heart is, give us a king. Give us a king. Danos un rey, ese clamor del corazón. Give us a king we can see. Give us a king we can touch. Give us a king we can relate to directly. And what this section of the Bible is doing, I think, is it's pointing us forward and saying, you know what? God has answered that cry of our heart. Dios nos ha contestado ese clamor. God has given us a king that we can see. He's given us a king that we can relate to directly. This king came and he walked the earth and he fulfilled and did all of the law of God perfectly. He perfectly displayed the power of God, the presence of God, the goodness of God. Ese recaminó la tierra, obedeció la ley y mostró el poder de Dios. And then he went to a special place called the cross and he died on a tree. so that we could be restored as the people of God. The king I'm talking about, of course, is Jesus. Is Jesus. He is the king we need. The person of Jesus and the place of the cross is what we need to reestablish that broken connection with God as our king. Because you see, the kingdom of God is really all about, it's centered on that connection that we have with God. Take away that connection, it doesn't matter how nice of a place you're in. California's a paradise, but I don't think we're seeing it look like a paradise these days, right? Because God's not king. Take away the connection with God and you don't have the kingdom. Jesus gives us what we're lacking. Jesus nos da lo que nos hace falta. The cry of our heart is satisfied in him. In the New Testament book of Ephesians, there's something interesting that I want to share with you. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. Ephesians, those who know those, it says this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You tried to make success on your own and you died. You chose death. And you were dead in your transgressions in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Estaban muertos sus transgresiones y pecados 
los cuales andaban conforme a los poderes de este mundo. What's the ruler of the kingdom of the air? That's the devil. The prince of the power of the air, he's sometimes called. Se trata del diablo. Verse 4, but because of his great love for us, God made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. Dios que es rico en misericordia por su gran amor nos hizo y nos dio vida con Cristo cuando estábamos muertos en pecados. And it says this in verse 6. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, in the heavenly kingdom in Christ Jesus. Dice, Dios nos dio vida en Cristo, en unión con Cristo Jesús, Dios nos resucitó y nos hizo sentar con Él en las regiones celestiales. It's saying, because of Jesus Christ, we are now connected to the very throne of God. That's good news. Estamos conectados con el mismo trono de Dios. We can have a direct relationship with God the King through Jesus Christ who has come on his behalf and ours. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean? It means that, that I, I'm not a believer in democracy, people. I do not believe in democracy. No creo en la democracia. I believe in a supernatural theological monarchy. In other words, I believe in God, the King. That's the form of government I live under as a Christian. Como cristianos yo vivo no en una democracia, sino bajo el poder de la monarquía, que es Dios. So how do we keep Jesus in front of us this week as the king? I think that's the question I've been pondering, and I want to put it before you. How can we meditate on Jesus day and night? How can we keep him on our lips? How can we keep him before us? How can we understand how real he is and follow him in everything Looking for him, seeking him. Seek first the kingdom of God. And if you're going to seek first the kingdom of God, that means you're seeking the king of God. Busquen, busquen primeramente el reino de Dios, es decir, el rey de Dios. See, it puts us in a whole different realm than what we think and tend to think as we go about our daily lives, right? As we go to work, as we live in family, as we live in our community, as we vote as citizens in this nation, yes, we're part of a nation that has democratic principles, but we have a king. And Jesus is the king we need. Jesús es el rey que nos hace falta. So with that in mind, I want to invite you to stand. And, and as we're doing every Sunday, as we're going through this message series, we're praying this kingdom prayer of the Lord's Prayer and, and seeking to make it our own. Vamos a orar el Padre Nuestro. And Martin's going to come up and I'll invite him to help us to recite it in Spanish even as I share in English with you. Vamos a recitar la oración del Padre Nuestro de forma bilingüe. It's on the screen. I want to invite you to make these words the cry of your heart as we pray together. Let's pray. Oremos. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for this prayer and for sending us the king we need in Jesus. Gracias por Jesús, el rey que necesitamos. May we ever have him in front of us this week. Que podamos verlo enfrente de nosotros esta semana. Lead us, O King, into your plan. And we will prosper. Maybe not in the ways we think we will, but we will truly prosper. Because in you there is life. Vamos a prosperar porque en ti, Señor Jesús, hay vida. We look to you and we praise you. And we bow before you. And we pray this in Jesus our King's name, in the name of Jesus, our King, and all God's people together say, 